Young and profiters. Today, we're replaying my interview on the Learn, Speak, Teach podcast with Ben Albert. Ben is the curator of the Real Business Connections Network and the host of the Learn, Speak, Teach podcast. This interview with Ben is all about mastering the LinkedIn algorithm, and I go pretty damn deep. We talk about how to make your content skimmable, how to audit your followers, how to sell on LinkedIn, and even the right way to use hashtags. I don't hold back in this episode, but it's still just a glimpse of what you'll get in my two-day live LinkedIn masterclass. And we hold this LinkedIn masterclass every single month. So if you want to check out details for the next one, go to yapmedia.io slash course to learn more. And if you enjoyed this episode, there's 10 more hours of content in my LinkedIn Secrets masterclass. Again, if you want details, go to yapmedia.io slash course, and we'll stick that link in the show notes. LinkedIn is the platform you need to master if you want to create a thriving personal brand in the business world. And it's relevant for everyone, whether you want to climb up the corporate ladder, expand your small business, or simply grow your influence with a community of like-minded people. All right, so let's talk LinkedIn. Here's my interview with Ben Albert on the Learn, Speak, Teach podcast. Hi, Ben. How are you? So happy to be on the show again. It's always such a pleasure. If you're looking to learn about LinkedIn, you're in the right spot, correct? Yeah, I mean, they call me the podcast princess, but I'm also the LinkedIn queen. The LinkedIn queen. So I was I was trying to come up with different names. I was thinking LinkedIn <laughs> lioness. Oh, I love that. Lionesses are courageous. Li- they're strong. They're hunters, but also caretakers. It's funny you say that. People tell me all the time that my spirit animal is a lion. Like I'll have (laughs) strangers come up to me and be like, did you know that you're a lioness? And I'm like, okay, thanks for letting me know. (laughs) You are, you're the LinkedIn queen. You're the LinkedIn lioness. And you also just launched what, what is it? Yap Academy? Yes. So I launched um, my third business, which is the educational arm of Yap Media, Yap Academy. And it's going super well. Our first uh, program is a LinkedIn masterclass. And then we're going to put out a podcast class as well. Excited for that. Yeah. Let's talk LinkedIn because the masterclass is blowing up. Guys, go follow Hal on LinkedIn. That's in the show notes. I feel like the only people that aren't following you on LinkedIn is like a small little couple in Bangladesh. (laughs) But do you remember when you first started LinkedIn? What was your first relationship? You type Mm LinkedIn.com. What happens? Was it a job board? Where did this all begin? Such a good question. Nobody ever asks me that. So I had a LinkedIn profile from like 10 or 12 years ago, right? But I didn't actually start being a content creator on LinkedIn per se until uh, 2018 when I launched my podcast. So to answer your question, I don't really remember when I actually created my profile. It was probably sometime in college because you know how they they tell you to build your online resume Mm -hmm. and use LinkedIn to get a job. And so I always thought of LinkedIn as that like job network platform. You go on there so you can get a job and then you don't really log on. And then when I was at Hewlett Packard, I got introduced to LinkedIn in a different way because I started running social media for Hewlett Packard. And one of our big initiatives was to use LinkedIn because it's a big B2B company. 
And at one point in my role, I had like every job at Hewlett Packard on the marketing team. At one point, I was sales comps. And my role was to learn LinkedIn. Aside from just running the company page, I needed to learn sales strategies on LinkedIn and teach the sales team how they can leverage it. And I would book speakers who would talk about LinkedIn. And it started exposing me to this world. And I started realizing that like there's sort of an opportunity on LinkedIn to blow up. Um, and there was a big gap in terms of young women on LinkedIn, podcasters on LinkedIn, content creators in general on LinkedIn. And so when I launched my podcast in April of 2018, I didn't think about Instagram. I didn't think about YouTube or anything else other than my audio podcast and then LinkedIn. And I put all my chips on LinkedIn and I posted every single day for, uh, you know, till today, <laughs> five years later, I was at every single day, basically, and just stayed really consistent. Cool. So, so was it strategic to choose LinkedIn or was it like, I already know what I'm doing here? Like, did, did you know where your audience would be? Was it strategic? Like yeah. a lot of people might be wondering, well, why LinkedIn is that's B2B, right? Uh, I don't know. Well, it was really strategic because I wanted to put out a platform that was really about self-improvement. In my former life, I've been doing online radio shows and blogging and I hacked Twitter when I was younger and I was, you know, I had an Instagram account. So it's not like I wasn't on the other platforms. I was probably better versed on Instagram, Twitter and all the other platforms at that time. But the opportunity on LinkedIn that I saw is that the audience wanted to learn. And it was more about a platform about conversations, education. And I was at this point in my life where for a long time, I was sort of sexualized in my 20s. You know, I used to host parties and I was on the flyer of posters with DJs and and would interview hip hop artists. And it was usually like really flirty conversations about music and their relationships and just not that meaningful. And I felt like I was, you know, uh, an executive in corporate now and I wanted to be more professional. I wanted people to, to um, want to hear from me from because of my brain, not because of my alpha, not because of what I look like. And I really just saw LinkedIn as like the only place that wasn't really sexualizing me and allowing me to just be myself. And so... I didn't care. Like, you know, you guys see me and if you're on, on video, like I look really girly or whatever. When I was starting on LinkedIn, like I was like a nerd. Like I, I had big headphones like you. <laughs> I like would barely, I would never have time to really do my makeup and I, I would just get on. And a lot of it was like audio only. And it just like allowed me to just like be a nerd um, and embrace that. And, and and for once in my life, not worry about like what I looked like and and like what I was wearing, but more of like what the conversation was about. The conversation, the content, and yeah, I've got big headphones. I'm totally a nerd, holla, and <laughs> I I can relate because I I got started in podcasting with a local music podcast, and then when COVID hit and I started my firm, I rebranded. I didn't want to be hippie bar Ben anymore. I wanted to be business Ben, and LinkedIn's where I went. I know personally, I posted, I put together the perfect post, my first ever post in like ten years, and crickets. <laughs> Did that happen to you when you started? Where, where were you when you started? And talk a little bit about the come up process. Yeah. So when I first started, I wasn't getting massive traction, but I'm like not a person who basically takes no for an answer. I remember I was getting a decent enough traction that like three months into it, my boss at Hewlett Packard was like, Hala, he's like, I always knew you're going to be like too, like you were never going to stay here forever. Like he's like, I know that one day I'm going to like look back on this and you're literally going to be famous. And 
And like he called it like way before it even happened because he just saw that like it was just like bubbling up. And I would say like, you know, I was not getting a lot of likes, but like pretty instantly I figured out how to really manipulate the platform and I was getting like 300 likes. And back then, like that was a lot. So I was getting traction. And so suddenly I was like the most popular employee at Hewlett Packard. There's 300,000 employees. I'm the most popular employee on LinkedIn other than the CEO, right? So then they're sending me to conferences and I'm taking pictures with the C-suite and like they're trying to like leverage the fact that I'm like growing this little brand on LinkedIn. And a lot of people get scared to post on LinkedIn because they think that their company is going to look down upon it. That happens at first. But once you like reach a certain point, then people want to utilize you for that asset that you've created. That's actually an asset for the company if you represent the company well. Right. And so I actually got a lot of support and a lot of promotions for starting my LinkedIn journey, which encouraged me more Mm. to get into it. And in terms of like what it looked like, Essentially, I started my LinkedIn to promote my podcast. And so my podcast was my long form content. And the whole goal of LinkedIn was to actually grow the podcast. But what happened, what ended up happening first is that I became a LinkedIn influencer first. And then two years later, my podcast blew up and I became the number one podcaster on LinkedIn. And a lot of my LinkedIn fans knew about my podcast, but my audio podcast, like to the masses, didn't really blow up until two years later. The LinkedIn influence came first. And I leveraged LinkedIn to then blow up my podcast. And basically, I was consistent. I left HP and I went to Disney. Disney. And I lived in Brooklyn. And my commute every day was about 55 to an hour away. I would from Brooklyn to Midtown. And I just had a rule. My one job on the train was to write my LinkedIn post. And on the way home, my job was to do all of my community engagement. And so I split it twofold. From the start, I knew that it was just as important and just as much time needed to be spent on DMs, on comments, on engaging with my community, on sending out invites, on sending out like proactive DMs. And I literally split up my time half and half. At the same time, I got a little bit lucky, magnetic, whatever you want to call it. Um, And if you guys listen to episode uh, one with me, I'm sure you will get this backstory. I essentially had a team of 20 volunteers who Mm. worked for free for me for the podcast for two years. Uh, Since episode number two, I had volunteers on my podcast. And they were basically fans from LinkedIn who also were fans of the podcast that wanted to help and just felt like this was a bigger mission than them. And they just felt very compelled. And so I would tell my team what to do. I would create my asset in advance. I'd write the post every single day. I never skipped a day and do all my engagement at home. Within like a year, I grew to like 60,000 followers and I was like officially like, and this was guys, this was like five years ago. There wasn't influencers like that on LinkedIn, like not a lot. So like I was already an influencer like a year into it. And then it just, you know, kept compounding. I got better and better. I started my agency, started learning from other clients understanding how to build accounts no matter what size they're at, starting from scratch. They've got millions of followers, no engagement. And I just really figured out the algorithm um, and happy to go through some tactics in terms of how people can leverage what I've learned over five years. I do want to talk about some of the tactics and get a little more microscopic because you were on LinkedIn as a podcaster early, which helps. You had incredible grit and hard work and an amazing team with you, which absolutely helps. But you could be running full speed, but if you're running in the wrong direction, you're not going to get anywhere. You can post every day. You could post five times a day. You and I know you probably shouldn't post five times a day, but you could post five times a day and get nowhere. 
what was the secret sauce as to why your post and your growth was happening when other people weren't? Well, it was so I stood out. So the number one goal on social media, there's a couple like just no matter what social media platform, there's a couple goals that you always keep in mind. Mm. Number one, stop the scroll. Number two is you need to keep users entertained and engaged on the platform if you want the algorithm and the platform to reward you, right? So those are the two main rules that I always abide by no matter what social platform I'm on. So to stand out in the feed, I was very different because I was a young woman in business talking about a new area that was pretty innovative at the time, five years ago, podcasts, right? Mm. And I was interviewing experts and I was only providing value. There's just a third number three, like rule of social media, like provide value, right? Be meaningful, serve, right? And so I was serving, 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 never asked for anything, never sold anything, right? And just kept serving, Um, stood out in the feed. So if you guys look, if you're on video and you're seeing this right now, I've got bright colors, neon green, neon pink, neon blue, high contrast, bold colors. From the start, I had bold colors, very quickly transitioned. Um, In the beginning, they were a little bit muted and then just realized like, I got to go bold. I got to go bright. So stood out in the feed. I was like using hot pink in my feed. The other thing is that, um, you know, video podcasts weren't a thing yet. I was doing audio. So I used to create these really bright, fancy comic book style audiograms. Also really stood out. Also really different. And so continually, I've had to evolve. Like, how am I different? How do I stand out? You always got to figure out how to stand out. So people get LinkedIn wrong because they think it's corporate, it's professional. So they think logo, they think templated. Mm. Uh, But the thing is, is that the more salesy and promotional something looks, the more logo heavy, the more that people get turned off and they feel like it's salesy, it's not authentic, it's not promotional, it's not shareable when it has somebody else's logo on it. And so I didn't use logos. I was very personal brand focused, which was different in itself. I used a lot of photographs. So a lot of LinkedIn's feed was like articles and going to like boring articles or stock footage. But Mm. I had photographs of myself and I wouldn't be scared about wearing whatever outfit I wanted to wear. And like, Um, I remember when I really embraced like photographs and being on video, that's when things like super blew up for me on LinkedIn um, because a lot of people are afraid of showing their face and people weren't seeing the trend that LinkedIn was becoming a social media platform like all other social media platforms in terms of uh, content creators being on that platform. Love it. Answer the objection. Well, Well, LinkedIn's not Instagram or Facebook. Well, what am I supposed to be posting pictures of myself that isn't that for Instagram and Facebook? So it's not. I mean, there are millions of users on LinkedIn. The only difference is that the audience is just very high caliber. They're a little bit older in some regards. They're educated. They're rich. They they usually have jobs. They're looking to buy. And it does have a professional skew. Now, I don't want to make it seem like it's like as any other platform, there is a careers and professional skew. And the only reason why is because actually the last stage of the LinkedIn algorithm is human editors. And these editors are actually making sure that the conversation aligns to LinkedIn's agenda. And LinkedIn is a job site. They compete with companies like Indeed and and ZipRecruiter. And so one of their main initiatives is to show that people are getting promotions, that people are hiring to give recruitment tips, to talk about entrepreneurship, or to talk about holidays that they're promoting, Women's Month, Black History Month, whatever is on their editorial agenda, that's actually what they're going to make go massively viral. And so I'm so good at manipulating LinkedIn that I can get all my clients to, on average, get 1,500 to 3,000 likes every single post. And then 
if we align to a careers or LinkedIn's editorial agenda, we might get 100,000 likes or 30,000 likes. And that's when it really goes massively viral. So LinkedIn is essentially controlling the conversation to make sure it has a professional skew. So you do want to play into that. But at the same time, there's so many people from all walks of life on LinkedIn looking to consume content. And the good news is only 6% of those people are actually content creators, which is just crazy compared to other platforms. Only 6% of people are competing to be content creators. So there's lots of opportunity. Let's hold that thought and take a quick break with our sponsors. What's up, Yap Bam? Being an entrepreneur and working remotely definitely has its perks. And I know a lot of you listening in are in the same boat as me. But do you really take advantage of being able to work from anywhere? I know I typically don't, but thankfully this past holiday, I finally decided to make use of my work flexibility for the first time ever. My boyfriend and I decided to pack up and leave to the West Coast to spend an entire month working from home in the sun. We got a super cute bungalow in Venice Beach with a fenced backyard. The change in scenery, the fresh air, and the slower pace to help me to inspire some really cool new ideas for my business. And honestly, I'm feeling really refreshed and ready to rock in 2024. And who helped me make these remote work dreams come true? It was Airbnb. And Airbnb has come in clutch for me time and time again. Whether it's finding the perfect Airbnb home for our three-day annual executive team get-together or booking a vacation where my extended family can fit all in one place, Airbnb always makes it a great experience. And you know me, I'm always thinking of my latest business venture and I've been begging my boyfriend to start hosting our place on Airbnb. And finally, we're gonna start. So many of my successful friends host on Airbnb and it's such an amazing way to generate passive income. So to start, we have a plan to start spending more time in Miami and we'll be hosting our place to earn some extra money when we're back on the East Coast. 2024 goals and I'll keep you updated. A lot of people don't realize that they might have an Airbnb right under their own noses. I was pretty surprised myself. You can Airbnb your place or spare room even if you're out of town for just a few days or weeks. You could do what I did and work remotely somewhere else and Airbnb your place to fund your trip. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. That's airbnb.com slash host to find out how much your home is worth. Opportunity is endless. This is what I like to hear. And, And Hala, the listener, most of them know, most of them are on LinkedIn. I completely built out the podcast by networking on LinkedIn me included, I get some likes and engagement, nowhere near what you get. And a lot of my network gets three, five, ten likes, five comments. We're not we're not trying to get twenty thousand right now. We're just trying to get to our first a hundred. Yeah. For someone I'm gonna grab my pencil. For someone <laughs> who wants to consistently get fifty, a hundred, two hundred likes. And if you can get two hundred, we can make it up to two thousand. Yeah. Where do you recommend we can write it down? I got my massive pencil. Oh my God, that's a huge pencil. <laughs> where, where do you recommend someone start? What should be the absolute first move to go from 10 to 10,000? What's my first move? Okay. So first I'm going to talk about what's hot or not in terms of features, because mm. I think a lot of people get this wrong. They are familiar with Instagram and they try to translate their Instagram strategy to LinkedIn. And that's number one. Don't do that. It's a totally different platform with totally different priorities. And so in terms of features of uh, videos on LinkedIn actually don't perform well. 
Okay. So there's only very specific types of videos that perform well. And that is like motivational, shareable videos that have a positive skew that really stand out in the feed, meaning that like maybe it's outside, maybe it's babies, maybe it's people dancing or animals, like something that's really going to stand out and be motivational and shareable. Those types of videos will go viral on LinkedIn. But if it's a talking head video or something like that, it's been done too many times where people just have sensory adaptation. Nobody wants to watch a video for 30 minutes or whatever, even 30 seconds and get any sort of insight. People are skimming, right? So that brings me to my next point. You've got to be skimmable. On average, people are scrolling through nine posts at a time on LinkedIn. And part of the LinkedIn algorithm is judging dwell time. So how much time are people spending on your post? And if you want people to spend time on your post, there's a couple things that you need to do. First of all, like we mentioned, bright, bold, stand out in the feed, whether that's photographs, whether that's with your topic, whatever it is, you want to make sure that you're standing out. And the best way to stand out is to use the best, the largest vertical real estate that you can on mobile. And so that is a four by five aspect ratio of a graphic. Okay. So it's basically, I call it poster size at Yap Media. It's not square size like Instagram. It's not quite story size. It's a four by five aspect ratio. You guys can Google it and get the size. Okay. And basically that is going to take up the most amount of vertical real estate on a mobile phone. So it's going to increase dwell time because people have to scroll longer. And you also want to start your caption off with a hook. So that's going to get people interested. They're going to want to click to the three dots on LinkedIn to kind of read more. That's going to, they're going to spend more time on your post and hopefully take some sort of viral action. So back to skimmable. LinkedIn will actually consider your post low quality if you use big chunky paragraphs. And on social media, just a few sentences, two or three sentences will look like a big paragraph. So you need to make sure that you're doing line by line. I think last time we talked, you called it broetry. Yes, (laughs) broetry. So line by line. And still, it's it's literally I've I've known this intuitively. But now that I have a LinkedIn masterclass, I've like studied all LinkedIn engineering documentation. And, and now I fi- I realize it's part of their algorithm that chunky paragraphs, they deprioritize because they know they don't keep users engaged or entertained and people don't like to read. They're skimming. They want the information fast. The other tip that I, I'll give you is like more psychological. A lot of people make the mistake and it's it's really cool to have this masterclass because then I see like what people are doing wrong because usually I'm in control doing everything right for my clients. It's interesting to see like what people still don't like get wrong. And being too wordy is a big problem for people. They're just, they just don't know how to be concise. So a thing that I like to do is I write out my posts and I'm like, what can I cross out? What can I cross out? How can I make it shorter, right? The shorter, the better. Even if it's a long story, shorter is better. Like take out the fluff. The other thing is that when you're talking on social media, you want to stay away from lecturing. And you sound like you're lecturing when you give all the information and you don't let people think for themselves. So Make sure that you have just like one single point that you're trying to get across. You're really concise. You're writing it in an intent, uh, entertaining way. And you're not giving so much information that there's nothing else for people to think about or add. If you leave things a little bit more vague, people will comment with longer comments and you actually get more points for those viral actions than if they gave a shorter comment or nothing at all. So you don't want to look like a know-it-all being like, here are the three steps. Here's the exact three things. It's more like, here's one tip and what else do you think? You know what I mean? That's how you get people to engage. Start a conversation rather than just preaching your entire encyclopedia of knowledge. Start a conversation with them. Yeah. People think like, 
that social media is like a college essay or homework assignment. <laughs> you don't want to be the guy at the party that's like boring talking about work. Like you want to be fun and keep people entertained and engaged. So it's like, how do you take what you want to teach, make it really fun, make it concise, make it vague enough so people want to contribute and you don't seem like you're lecturing and that you're a know-it-all and, and the conversation and community will flow. So it can be about this or any of the things we talked about or something new with love for education in the masterclass. One thing I love about masterclasses is people can come to you with their individual issues, concerns. I'm sure you can look at posts, work with each other. What's an example of someone who is doing something terribly wrong? Mm. And what adjustments did you guys make to ensure that they were a rock star going forward? Yeah. So one thing that people get wrong on LinkedIn is that they see like an influencer like me and they share my post instead of creating their own post. And that is a big no-no on LinkedIn. As content creators, you never want to repost or reshare anything. If you want to acknowledge somebody's content, instead of reposting it, I would advise that you recreate it, post a net new post. You can screenshot their post. You can hmm. credit them in the comments. So people do that wrong. Another thing that people do wrong are hashtags and tagging on LinkedIn. Again, they're using other platforms as their playbook and LinkedIn is not the same platform. So for example, people use 10 to 20 hashtags on Instagram. On LinkedIn, if you do that, you're going to be uh, flagged in the first stage of the algorithm and your post is not going to be served to other users. It will be considered spam. And so you cannot use over five hashtags on LinkedIn. That is the absolute limit. And I recommend that you only use three. So I typically say that you have two branded hashtags. So for me, that's like hashtag gap, hashtag young and profiting. And then you have one or two broad hashtags that you try to dominate. So for me, it's hashtag podcast, hashtag marketing, right? And I just dominate those hashtags. Those are the only industry niche hashtags that I use. I never make up words like you know on instagram people try to be cute like hashtag too cool for school or something like you know sure. i never make up phrases like that because that doesn't work that's not how it works on linkedin people are following those hashtags and what happens if you don't focus on just a few niche hashtags or broad hashtags uh what i what i mean by broad hashtags is like hashtags that people follow that aren't branded right and they usually are related to your niche or industry and so people follow those hashtags and if you are just willy-nilly throwing them out different ones every day, people who follow those hashtags are going to randomly see your stuff in their feed. They're not going to mm -hmm. recognize you and they're not going to engage. So what's going to happen is that your impressions go up, your engagements go down, and your engagement rate goes lower. And that actually hurts you. And so the only way that you should use hashtags is if you concentrate on one and you get people used to seeing your content so they start to engage on it because they feel like you're familiar, not some random you know, person who's infiltrated their feed, right? So that's what people get wrong with hashtags. And with tagging, you really never want to tag anyone in your post on LinkedIn if they won't respond within the first 90 minutes. Um, and this is something people get wrong all the time. They get a promotion. Oh my God, I just got a promotion at Disney. And they tag Disney and nobody at Disney is ever going to comment or like. And so LinkedIn's going to consider that spam because the account didn't engage. And so my rule of thumb is just tag them in the comments if you're going to tag them. Don't tag them in your caption unless you have a conversation with them beforehand where you Fine. say, hey, I'm going to write this. I need you to like and comment within the first 90 minutes or the post is going to bomb. One thing that came... Um kind of had me thinking is the branded hashtags. So you work with some of the biggest thought up and coming thought leaders in the entire world. 
it's possibly easier for them to start a branded hashtag. If you don't have a large audience yet, should you use, be using a branded hashtag? Or should you, you got to start that? somewhere. Everybody starts okay. from zero, right? So I have been using Yap Young and Profiting for five years before <laughs> I had any followers. I never changed it. Yap Young and Profiting podcast for five years straight until I had the Yap Academy. And then I was like, Yap Academy marketing or whatever, because now I have a little bit of a different thing that I'm trying to do. But I was just consistent. And now thousands of people follow each one. I have people who have like bots on my account. No matter what I post, they share it right away. They like it right away. And I'm like, I don't huh. approve automation or bots on LinkedIn, but I'll take it. You know, it helps me. So interesting. Yeah. Is there a lot of what are some of the problems with LinkedIn for a listener that maybe isn't spending much time on LinkedIn yet? I know personally, I experience cold pitches all the time. There's a lot of commotion. Is there anything if I'm going to go, I'm a listener, I'm going to set up a LinkedIn. What should I look to avoid? Are there any kinds of people I should avoid or just any issues that kind of just uh, setting an expectation here that it might not be all sunshine and rainbows? Well, I think that I think LinkedIn's a great platform. And just like any platform, you curate your feed, you curate your following. So a lot of people make the mistake. There's a couple things that I'm going to go through. A lot of people cool. make the mistake of inviting everybody. You get 30,000 uh, connections that are first connections, and you can proactively invite those 30,000 people to your network. So a lot of people make the mistake of like blindly inviting people to connect, sending out invites. And what they're not looking at is seeing, is this person somebody who's going to buy from me? Is this person somebody who's going to be interested in my content? And is this person active on LinkedIn? Are they actively liking and commenting on posts? Because a lot of people go on LinkedIn, they log on, they never come back on like because they got a job or maybe they had sure. a sales role and they were required to post, but then they never came back on. And you want to remove those people from your profile because step two in the LinkedIn algorithm is essentially feeding your post to a subset of your first connections. And if those people aren't interested in your content, if they're not active, okay, if they don't take viral actions, your post is going to be deemed boring and not entertaining. And LinkedIn is going to stop serving it to other people. And so you want to always make sure that your first connections are active and interested in your content. So now that I've hit 30,000, you know, I'm at way above 30,000, but I'm saying I only have 30,000 first connections. I'm continually removing people who are inactive and adding people back who are now active on LinkedIn and interested in my content. So that's a big mistake that people make, just like blindly inviting people and then their network is really poor and mm. unengaged. And then they think that LinkedIn doesn't work when it's no, like you haven't pruned it correctly. You need to prune your account so that it can flourish. Prune it, pay attention, curate it so it's the kind of network you want to have in your corner. I've noticed, I feel like everyone has at least 10,000 followers and then they get like two <laughs> engagements on their post. And I'm like, how many of those 10,000 are active followers? At the core, we want active members of our tribe, right? 100%. If they're not active, then they're, they're, they're dormant and they're not helping us. And on LinkedIn, it actually, like I said, works against you. So you can't reach more people because you're not like playing the game, you're unable to get to the step of the algorithm or just uh, in your post where people are actually sharing your content and strangers will start to see it. You don't get to that point. LinkedIn is really cool because it's one of the only platforms once you actually know how to use it that still has organic reach. Mm. So if somebody likes or comments or shares on your post, people who follow them 
who are probably the same people you type of people you want to connect with people or connect with like-minded people right people see that in their feed they'll see their friend liking commenting or sharing on your post and they get attracted to your content and so if you have unengaged users you'll never get to that point because nobody's taking viral actions to actually share you on their feed so that you can have visibility and organic traction so that's like number one like you need to make sure your following is cleaned up or else it just never gets started for you um, and there's lots of different hacks uh, the other thing is like like I said, if if you do shares, like that's really poor. And if you have a bad performing post, a lot of people don't know that LinkedIn is evaluating the last 10 to 15 posts in terms of whether or not they're going to think that there's probability of your post doing well. So they're, they're looking at two things. They're looking at author stickiness, how much you as an author is going to invest in the platform if this post does well and how much time you spend on the platform. So you can't post and ghost. We've got to post and then engage on other content and stay on the platform. You can't use the scheduling tool for that reason. So they're mm. judging you on author stickiness. And then they're also judging you on the probability of your audience and, and people on LinkedIn taking viral action, right? And so if nobody is taking any viral action when you're putting out your post within the first 90 minutes, you're going to bomb. And so there's certain like rules that you've got to learn on LinkedIn and a lot of people do it wrong. Um, the other main thing, and I'm giving away a lot of tips. Yeah, the other this. main thing is link in the comments. You cannot do that, right? I told you guys that one of the main goals of any social media platform is to keep users engaged and entertained on the platform. If you link out to a third-party website, you're taking them off the platform. That is opposite of LinkedIn's goals. They've got ads and they need impressions on those ads. They want people in the feed, right? And so that means that you can't link out. You've got to put a link in the comments and you can also, like LinkedIn will also smell if you're promotional or salesy like it's it scans keywords in your post if it's anything salesy where they feel like you're taking users off platform you're telling people to call you or email you or whatever they are stopping that post uh, that's a tough pill to swallow for me and some people because i know i built my website myself and there's hundreds of hours of content on it and i want people to see it well linkedin <laughs> wants people on their platform so if i'm trying to send someone to a third-party platform in, a, in essence, I might be shooting myself on the foot. Certain features on LinkedIn are meant for certain things. So the feed, in my opinion, is meant to go viral, to grow a community, to serve, provide value, grow followers, get impressions, shares. Like the feed is for that. Valuable, shareable content, educational content, interactive, positive, motivational, that kind of content goes on the feed so that you can grow your following, gain visibility, go viral, right? The DMs is where the sales happen. Mm. So link and click conversions happen in the DMs. And so what you want to do is figure out a strategy where your content helps feed you generating leads for whatever it is you want to sell in the DMs. So you can have educational content about your niche, your industry, your product, but don't be salesy. Like pick one little like vague thing, be light in terms of like how much you push out and like you don't want to be promotional or salesy. And then you want to retarget anybody who engages on that content. They're basically raising their hands saying, you have permission to reach out to me. Hey, I noticed you liked this uh, post about my upcoming book. I'd love to send you a link to my pre-order. Let me know what you think about it. And then you start a little campaign in the DMs. But value, value, value. The longer you wait to make any sort of ask, the bigger ask you can make, right? So you want to just keep giving value, keep giving free value as long as you can until you have to make the ask or want to make the ask. 
So in my masterclass, I have all of day two is basically sales strategy and how you basically can leverage LinkedIn for sales. It's very different than other platforms, but the good news is that people are there to buy. They're in that mindset of buying a service and they want to hear from uh, their peers in their industry. We'll be right back after a quick break from our sponsors. Young and profiters, it's never been a better time to be an entrepreneur. With inspiration at our fingertips and powerful tools at our disposal, the possibilities are endless. And when it comes to tools that can truly make your business grow, there's one name that always stands out, Shopify. (coughs) Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the real store with the door stage, and even the did we just hit a million orders stage. And if you're in that I need to sell more with less stage, Shopify magic is your AI superpowered sidekick ready to whip up captivating content that converts from blog posts to product descriptions. Not to mention Shopify also is the home of the best converting checkouts in the game, 36% better than other leading commerce platforms. Shopify turns browsers into buyers. It's no wonder Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And you can sell whatever, whenever with Shopify. Push pleated pants with Shopify's in-person POS system or monetize mindful meditation. I sell my LinkedIn Secrets Masterclass through Shopify and they've made my life a breeze. It took a couple days to set up my store and I just get to focus on what I do best, creating great content and marketing my product. So don't stress if you're new to this commerce thing. Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. And remember, whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash profiting and that's all lowercase. Again, go to shopify.com slash profiting to start growing your business today. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash profiting. I want to talk to all you employers out there and let's talk about company culture. At Yap Media, we have a super unique company culture. We are all obsessed with excellence and we even call ourselves this really cute name, Scrappy Hustlers. We're all Scrappy Hustlers at Yap Media. And my team is growing fast and hiring is a pain in the butt, especially if you're looking for A players that are going to roll up their sleeves. But luckily, when it comes to hiring, I no longer feel overwhelmed by the search for the perfect candidate because I use Indeed, the ultimate hiring platform. Indeed's matching engine always presents me with a pool of high quality candidates that match my job description to a T. If you're tired of drowning in your hiring pool, Indeed is here to rescue you. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging your candidates, making the entire hiring process a breeze. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I've hired some of my best employees at Indeed, some of my best scrappy hustlers. With over 140 million qualifications and preferences analyzed every day, Indeed is constantly learning from your hiring preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets at actually hiring your perfect match. Join the ranks of more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that have already chosen Indeed to hire great talent. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash profiting. Just go to Indeed.com slash profiting right now to support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash profiting. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire, you need Indeed. This is powerful. So don't post 
and ghost actually engage, engage in the DMs, start a conversation with people. What about engaging on other people's posts? What, what if, what if I'm small? I, I don't have much of a LinkedIn. I, um, I don't have followers. I don't know what to say. I can gain some momentum just by engaging with other people, right? I would say yes, but you definitely need to post. I would say okay. you should post at least three times a week if you want to start your LinkedIn journey. And I would and post original content. Don't just share people's content. And every time you post, I would then spend 20 minutes or so commenting on other things that you find in your feed, uh, maybe like clicking on your favorite influencers profiles and commenting on their recent posts. Uh, you can find lookalike profiles. So this is something we didn't talk about. And essentially, a lookalike profile is a profile that has an audience that you want. It doesn't have to be a competitor. So for example, like Gary V for me is like a lookalike profile. I think a lot of the people that follow him would like to follow me. We're both podcasters. We're both motivational. We're both marketers. We've got a lot in common. So Gary V is a lookalike profile. So I'd go to my lookalike profiles, engage there because his following may be interested in my stuff. You can even be proactive. And I teach this in the course. You can even be proactive to invite the content, the people who are engaging on your lookalike profiles uh, posts so that you can bring those active people in your network that fit the bill in terms of they're engaged on LinkedIn, they're interested in your content, and that's how you increase your engagement rate so that you can get viral actions and hopefully go viral. Two things really stood out to me, which I love, because a lot of people have taught, you know, start engaging on other people's posts, start a conversation, even if you're not posting. And that's better than not doing anything at all. But I like you challenging us, we need to be posting three times a week, possibly yeah, more. Why, but... why bother? I mean, I, I feel like I feel pretty strongly about this. Like, I yeah. don't think you can build a personal brand on LinkedIn just commenting. You don't you need to be a thought leader yourself. You need to stand for something. You need to be a personality. Branding is consistency. And if you want to have a good brand, that means that you need to, first of all, know what you represent, know what your brand persona is, know what your personality is, your values, the impact you want to make. And then you need to take consistent action. And there are lots of opportunities to take consistent action on LinkedIn. But if you're only commenting, you're like shooting yourself in the foot because you're missing the opportunity to be consistent in your caption, consistent in your graphics, consistent in your comments to your people commenting on your stuff. So you've really got to put yourself out there if you want to have a personal brand. It's so powerful. And and it's it's facts. I mean, this isn't about me, but I was on over 75 podcasts last year without even trying and I'm not Hala and I have like a small following, but your LinkedIn sells and brands yourself for you. So when I reach out to someone, all my posts and my graphics, all of that is serving as a testament of who I am that you don't have to go on some long sales pitch about how cool you are. Your LinkedIn profile speaks for you for itself. So I'm very passionate about that. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I feel like if you have a personal brand on LinkedIn, you create so much job insurance for yourself. First of all, you <laughs> oh, create yes. a very powerful network. Second of all, you're more, if you work corporate, people are going to be poaching you left and right once you start your personal brand on LinkedIn in terms of uh, dominating your niche or being more searchable in your niche. You just have a leg up in terms of job opportunities and getting poached from other companies. So that's number two. And then pricing and and being able to close sales to your point. I get on a call. People are so bought in like way before like I even take the call. Like they're already ready to buy because I've had so much social proof 
that they don't need to see anything else. People want what other people have and they don't want to make decisions. So if they see that other people respect you, that you've got a following, you have social proof, it's going to cut the buying decision time down because there's nothing for them to think about. People already made the decision and, and took the risk for them. And so all this kind of social proof really helps in the sales process and to also increase prices. I feel like I can charge for like, one-on-one social services. I'm at like the highest, highest end in terms of what you can charge. And that's because I, I, I've done it. I have the social proof, so I can charge that. Yeah. What about social proof in posts? Like something like a case study, is that too salesy or is that organic? If I'm telling a story of a client again, is that salesy or is that a good use of social proof? I would say if you do it in a way to your, you, you hit the nail on the head. If you tell a story, it's okay. And by the way, you can be salesy if you know it's not going to go viral. So for example, I have 200 and almost 50,000 followers on LinkedIn. And if I post this, I post salesy posts all the time. If you guys go look at my profile, you'd be like, she's such a hypocrite. She's posting salesy <laughs> posts. But it's no, I've grown it to 250,000 followers. Now I'm having a community moment. And I, I'm, in, I'm literally strategically saying, I want my community to see this post. And I don't care. I know it's not going to go viral. And by the way, I can delete it in two, in a week after I'm done with this session. And then it's gone forever. And who cares? Right. And so I'm, I'm being strategic, but that's because when you know the rules, you can break them. Right. And so I know what's going to go viral and I know how to get, how to keep things viral. I know how to get shares. And then I know that, you know, I, I can have a community moment and sell if I want to or need to. And so, um, you just need to know your priorities. But as you're building, you wouldn't want to do salesy posts until you had an audience. Otherwise, no one's going to see your salesy posts. So it's just a little balance and you just do them sparingly. Mm. Holla, this has been like a freight train of pure value. <laughs> oh, thanks. Transpa- so three most important people in my life right now. One, the listener. Two, Holla for being here. Three, my grandma. And since she's my grandma, she has to take first place. I'm about to take her out to get some Chinese food. <laughs> I so love it. we need to wrap up, but oh my God, you're a wealth of information. Is there anything that we missed today that you want to close with? If you guys want more information, I'm always doing free teasers, uh, giving free information on LinkedIn. So you can follow me on LinkedIn. It's hard to miss me. Just type in Hala, H-A-L-A. I should pop up at Mahala Taha. And I would love for you guys to listen to Young and Profiting Podcast. I inter- We didn't talk about the podcast at all. So it's the number one entrepreneurship podcast. I recently had Alex Hermosi on, Grant Cardone, Layla Hermosi, Elena Cardone. I've been doing a lot of power couples yeah. lately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I just had Lisa Billu. So hopefully I get Tom Billu on soon. Um, but yeah, the podcast is amazing. I interview the brightest minds in the world. It's a top podcast in the world. So I hope you guys uh, check that out. And then my masterclass. So... Again, you can go to yapmedia.io slash course. I'm capping it at 100 seats and I'd love to see you guys there. (laughs) Well, answer this for me because it seems like you just started this, but since you're capping out every single time, are you doing this monthly? This is going to be evergreen where are you going to be doing this six months from now? Like I want my listener to... I want my listener at any time in their life to be able to get a taste of this. So Yeah, I mean... I'm going to do it as long as I feel like I should be doing it. So right now we're doing it every month. At at some point, I'm going to launch a podcast course and then only offer the LinkedIn and podcast every other month. Mm. Um, But right now we're doing it every month. There's so much demand for it. I want to keep the classes pretty small uh, because they're just so great. 
And we're building such an amazing community. Part of this is that you actually can have the option to join my community after. And we're all in like basically a WhatsApp group. We didn't talk about engagement pods today, but we're supporting each other's posts. It really helps with the algorithm and getting viral actions. And so it's just such a great thing. Like, honestly, I didn't know that it was going to be like this. It's like blowing up and becoming one of my favorite things that I do now. So it's just been incredible. Yeah. Yep. Academy, whether it's podcasting, LinkedIn, or anything new to come, check it out in the show notes because it sounds like you're going to create a million things. Let's do 20 seconds on engagement pods because I know if you're jumping into this LinkedIn endeavor and you feel like you're doing it alone, do it with three, four, five additional people, right? Put together a team and help each other out. Yeah, 100%. So a lot of people hate on engagement pods, but they're actually not get against LinkedIn terms of service. I'm a LinkedIn like official influencer, so I will never give advice that is against terms of service. Okay. So engagement pods, essentially, you are off platform and you're bringing users onto the LinkedIn platform. Now, remember what I said about the rule. people LinkedIn doesn't want people uh, to send people off platform, but they're happy for you to send people on platform. So they don't care about engagement pods and you promoting on WhatsApp or Telegram mm-hmm. or Facebook or whatever because you're bringing people onto LinkedIn. So they're happy about that, okay? And so if you start your own engagement pod, I would say the rules are pick a platform that like that's easy to use. So like WhatsApp, Telegram, have some sort of common interest so that it's not just transactional. So when I started my first pod, it was all podcasters who were trying to make it on LinkedIn. And so we we were talking about podcasting. We actually cared about each other. We became friends. And then people give thoughtful com- com- uh, comments. It's not this like fake, weird thing. Also, you got to make sure that um, your first connections with everyone. So if you're not first connections, LinkedIn's going to be like, why is this person always engaging and they're not even first connections? So you got to also be first connections. That goes for Instagram or any other like engagement pod that you're going to do. Everybody has to be first connections. A lot of people do that wrong. And then they're like, why doesn't my pod work? It's like because you're triggering the spam algorithm and everything. So uh, just a couple hacks. And I love engagement pods. It's really important as of now for, for LinkedIn. And um, it helps us get a lot of organic traction and build real communities and conversations. So uh, I have nothing against engagement pods. I think it's a really smart thing to do. Love it. Hala. I want more. The listeners want more. We'll end up doing this again, I imagine, when you launch something new. Yeah, um, we'll do it for podcasts. You're fantastic. I appreciate your time today. Thank you, Ben. Enjoy Chinese food with your grandma. I'm jealous. I'm so excited. My stomach's grumbling right now. So it's going to be fun. (laughs) 